last week we were able to spend some time with our grandchildren in Pennsylvania, and it was so wonderful. And as we were traveling back, we were able to listen to the Word of God preached as Justin spoke, and thank you so much for last week. And for those that are joining us online, we're so glad that you are. Uh, I know we still have a, people out traveling. We're praying for traveling mercies, and we have a lot of sickness going on. So remember those in traveling, those that are sick. Unfortunately, it's that time of the year. So we pray that, again, there's nothing wrong if you feel bad and do not come. We'll pray for you. We'll lift you up. We'll help you. But it's okay. You can watch online. But we expect you to be here when you all well to join and fellowship and praise God and worship Him with His people. Amen? So, I want to share that with you. <coughs> i, I got to be honest uh, about today, and, and I was listening to Jimmy share what he was sharing. We are in the book of Hebrews. Last night I awakened very early in the morning and something was just on me. And, and like I said during the Sunday school class, I turned to Tiffany, and all of a sudden she's up too. Well, I seen the bright light of the phone. We couldn't sleep. So we began to talk, and today's a special day. You see, the day we'll be ordaining Mike Terry as a deacon in the ministry. And as we're in the book of Hebrews and the book of Acts, I'd plan, I was going to be in the book of Acts as well, I was going to plan to, to preach both. And then I said, you know, I could tie them together. Then God said, no. I struggled last night because I'm going to be honest with you. I think the deacon ministry is one of the most misunderstood ministries there are in the church. And what I wanted to do with you to share with you today is about the call of deacons. You see, what's very interesting to me is how times have changed. That a lot of churches exist as a business where Jesus Christ is president. And an organization where He's president instead of an organism where Jesus Christ is king. And there's a difference. I never will forget many years ago I was going to North Greenville University. And uh, another pastor that was at North Greenville with me, he... uh he, we were about the same age, and he was pastoring a church in North Carolina, and, and we took several classes together, and we'd become pretty good buddies, but we'd go to the, go to the little recreation area and play ping pong a lot, and talk, and, 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 and one day he came into class, it looked like everything had just left him. And I got to talking with him, he said, I was given this paper. And he gave me a piece of paper with a diagram on it. It said, Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, with three lines coming down to deacon board, then a line drawn down to pastor. Written under this note is, you better learn this quick. That sent an arrow through my heart. Because, unfortunately... We've had a misapplication of what it means for there to be deacons. This morning I'm going to look at two texts. Now there'll be those that'll say Acts chapter 6 does necessarily refer to deacons. I, I disagree. 
But we will not be in Hebrews. We'll be in 1 Timothy 3 and we'll be in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 6. And I want to explain to you why. If you have your Bibles, turn with Acts chapter 6. And I ask that you stand with us as we read the Word of God. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands upon them. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we read your text and study your word today. Our desire is that we grow closer to you. And that, Lord, we investigate and we search your text as good Bereans. That, Lord, everything that are on these pages are God-breathed. Lord, we pray for the ministry of deacons in this church. We pray for Mike as he will be ordained this morning. That, Lord, each one of us, myself, these men, this church, be used for your glory. And God, we pray as we leave this church today that we enter into a mission field that your name would be proclaimed at all times and in all places for your glory. And it's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now I want to go through these verses for a few moments. And I would like to explain to you what's going on. You see, in Acts chapter 6, at the formation of the early church, the disciples were increasing in number. Now, I want to make a point. That comes from the book, uh, comes from the Greek word, methetis. Disciples, which means to learn. Now, Luke uses an interesting word for disciples. Now, he is not talking about the twelve. What Luke is talking about as disciples are all people that are born again believers in Jesus Christ. He makes it very clear that disciples is not just a momentary, uh, a momentary emotional change, but a disciple of Jesus Christ has been transformed by Christ for a lifelong ministry and serving Christ. Amen? Salvation is not temporary. It is permanent, and it is a transforming power of God where you are not what you used to be. It says that as disciples were increasing in numbers. I have told you many times, sheep reproduce sheep. I'm a shepherd. I don't reproduce sheep. Sheep reproduce sheep. Disciples are those who have learned and grown in Christ and continue to learn and grow in Christ, conforming to the image of Christ, growing in the Word, and share that Word with others. Disciples make disciples. Disciples disciple other disciples. What we have, we must share with others. 
if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And it says the church was increasing. Their numbers are growing. It's funny, I used to serve with a pastor who said, numbers aren't important, but yeah, kind of they are. There's a book in the Bible about them. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. Understand where you have increasing numbers, there'll be times there'll be increasing complaints. As the Bible says that the disciples were increasing number, a complaint developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. Now the reason again that they were increasing is because Acts 5.42 says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They went out as they were saved and discipled and grew to continually share the good news with someone else. And they began to grow. But it's not long that after people grow and you get a large group together, somebody's going to complain. Now what I'm going to share with you may strike you as kind of funny. And there again, go with me. But, but, but I ask you to listen. If you're looking for a perfect group of Christians, you're in trouble. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're in trouble because you're here. So am I. Every church is like a Maytag washer. They all have an agitator. No matter where you go, that's the way it is. Somebody is going to complain. Nobody is ever happy. That's the way it is, okay? So I want to give that to you. You're not going to ever go anywhere where there's not complaining. And the word complain here really means to low grumble. It's a low tone or a grumble. Let me explain that to you. Have you ever noticed that most problems that start or arise in a congregation or in a group is not somebody with a megaphone going, I don't like him. It don't work that way. Most of the time, it starts off with somebody with a whisper. Then you know there's always those people that if you tied their hands and lips together, they'd beat themselves to death. And it begins to spread. And it begins to fester and move on. It happens. The difference is dealing with it. You see where I'm going with this? So a complaint arose. Now, it means again, to mean to a low tone or grumble. And in context of what's happening here, it's between the Hellenistic Jews and the native Jews. Now, what does that mean? See, during the time of Alexander the Great, they practiced what was called Hellenization. We've been speaking about this some on Wednesdays. That when they would conquer a land, they would take them and influence their culture among them. So that's the reason why during this period of time, when people are doing the diaspora or the spreading of this, and when they would learn to learn the cultures of the Greeks, that native people would be scattered about, and of course their generations would produce generations. They were not in their homeland. And they spoke Greek. That's what they knew. Okay? They were not native. They were the next generations that had came out, and you got to understand that Greece was in control for a long time before Rome came in. So you got what's called Koine Greek, the common language of the people that is around, and these people know this. Now, they're Jews, but they don't necessarily speak Hebrew or Aramaic. Okay? And, and what happens is, the ones that are native there had a problem with the ones that weren't native. Now, that being said, no matter where you go, somebody's going to be a little different than you. The interesting thing about this is this. They were still Jews. They were just not maybe from the same time or same place. So a dispute rose up. And that dispute is the widows are not being taken care of. 
To, to, to be quite honest with you, this is a very interesting concept. They were being overlooked. What had happened is, is, is during this time, those that were part of the scattering were, were really interested in the Christian faith and they began to make their way back because the Christians took care of the people. You see, they would take care of one, and often what they had learned came from, from a Jewish tradition, if you will, where they would daily take up needs for those that were transient or widows in trouble called temhui. And it was a daily distribution of food. Then you had the kupah was a, was a weekly distribution of money to help you with meals. So there was a desire and a, uh, idea that actually come from Judaism as well to help the people that were in need. And it seems Christianity embraced some of this too. But the point of the matter is, is they were taking care of the widows. Even going back to the Old Testament, the Jews would say the widows are to be taken care of. Why? Because they don't have a, they don't have a breadwinner in the house. And they would take care of the widows. And what is happening here in the early church, that the widows are being taken care of. But evidently not all of them. So a complaint arose. And look what the Word of God says. It says that when the complaint arose, that they were being overlooked, the apostles, the twelve, summoned the congregation. In other words, somebody was slipping through the cracks. You yourself have known there's been people that we're amongst that have slipped through the cracks. To be quite honest with you, you know yourself that if you have been in church and you've seen somebody missing, or you have wondered about somebody, or they may come back and tell you, man, I was going through COVID, man, I had the flu, or man, I had an infected foot or something. Man, I didn't know that. Have you been there? Let me ask you another question on top of a question. Have you ever wished somebody would reach out to you in a time and they didn't? Hadn't heard from a soul. People fell through the cracks. And it bothered the apostles to the point where they said, we got to do something about this. So what do they do? There's 12, some of the congregation of disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters, select among you seven men. Okay, now what I want you to understand is this. Being a pastor is an interesting job. Now, I can't minister to everybody. Now, everybody that comes is not here today, okay? But there's a sack full of people here, okay? Now, I can't minister to every single need, and none of us were meant to go into ministry alone. None of us. He can't minister to every need. But what had happened is the disciples see we need to now devote our time to the ministry of the Word. The same Word, listen, for ministry of the Word and serving is the same. It's dikos. What does that mean? The men they called together were the help with the serving of the physical bread. The men that are pastors are here to give you the spiritual bread. The two words are the same. You see, they are those who can minister to the physical needs. And being a spiritual, uh, being, being able to give or give spiritual bread. And I want you to understand this. Pastors just don't work on Monday or Sundays and Wednesdays. If they do, they got a problem. The Word of God should be studied each and every day. That's why it's important. We should never neglect the studying of the Word of God. Why? Because it is God breathed. And if we have been called by God, to share His God-breathed Word, then they must be utmost importance 
and desire for us to do it correctly. What you will find today in the Word of God, or what you, I'm sorry, in the church a lot of times, and I want you to, I want you to listen to me. We talked about this morning. You can tell when there's people that spent time studying the Word of God and when there's people that haven't. And what I meant by this, the mean is this. The gospel that has been given to us that preaches faith, in lo- faith alone in Christ alone has been turned into six flags over Jesus. That if all I have to do is have some flippant belief and God will give me whatever I want to live, whatever I need to, to function, He'll make me wealthy, I'll never be sick, I will always have what I want as long as you continue to pay me $1,000 a week and give me what I need. You know, like I've said before, and, and this is going to go out, and maybe I may be upset some people, but I'm going to say it again. If you ever see a pastor driving a $200,000 Maserati, it's not a sign of God's blessing, but the church's stupidity. Listen. This world is not my home. And if the church can't take care of the people, we got a problem. Not only are we to minister to them in the spiritual, in the Word of God, but we're to minister the physical needs too. That's what the people of God do. We love our brothers as we love ourselves. And what I'm trying, I'm not trying to be flippant or cute and try to crash. It's not what makes a church people or not what makes it big or small. It's not about filling the pews with people. It's about filling the people with Christ. And a pastor should never exploit the world to gain something that is not his and share something that is not true. Because I can assure you that this world is not my home. And anybody that falls in love with materialism more than they fall in love with Christ, there's a problem. Would you agree? So the moral of the story is this. Pastors need to devote their time to the study of God's Word to share it correctly. It's serious. But you will also notice with that statement is prayer. The Word of God is to be prayed over. It's not something that we come in half-heartedly to say, you know, thank you, God, amen, praise Jesus, hallelujah, and then go at it. We must pray continuously. And I think a lot of times, and I've said this before, that it was a survey done a while back that the average pastor spends less than six minutes a day in prayer. How can he lead if he's not being or allowing himself to be led. There's a big difference. Prayer and ministry of the Word. See, so says, to serve in the ministry of the Word, we need others to help us serve the physical needs of the people. But I want you to listen. This is where I'm going to tie Acts and Timothy together. Listen. So the twelve sum of the congregation disciples said it is not desirable for us to neglect the Word of God and others to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters... Select among you seven men of, number one, good reputation. Good reputation. What does that mean? 
that you have a good reputation and you you represent Christ truly. There are two reasons you often hear me see why people don't become Christians. Number one, they have never seen one. Number two, they say they have. Does your reputation amongst outsiders, not only inside, but outside, does it represent Jesus Christ? Does your life reflect Him? Now there again, I am not going to say that every one of you are perfect, nor may me. You've never lived in my household. Ask my children, I am not perfect. Ask my wife, I am not perfect. But that should never be an excuse to live in rebellion against God. Those that are good reputation are recognized by outsiders as those who really believe what they believe. I don't know how many of you have ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, but something made an uh, 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 impression on me. Now there again, I'm going to disagree with the theology of one, but but, but I'm going to say the statement that was made that really, really got my attention. He told this man, he says, everybody don't believe what you believe, but they believe in how much you believe. Do people really see that we love Christ regardless of the circumstances that are around us? Do people really see that we love Him and we cling to Him whether it rain or whether sunshine be shining? Do people see that no matter where we are, while we are there, that we rejoice continually for having Christ as our Savior and having a sovereign God who's in control of our lives? Do people believe that? Let me ask you a question. What if you had a deacon to come to your house and said, I know you're going through a cold. Man, I hope you're all right. But man, you're going to suffer. It's going to be bad. Man, I had one. Half my family fell out. Boy, you, you had it. Have a good day. And I'm not saying you're supposed to go in trying to cheer somebody up with false words, but a person of good reputation will always take them to the cross. You hear me? They always take them to the cross. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but you serve a mighty powerful God that does. And I promise you this, the same God that saved your soul will sustain your soul. Cling to Him. That's a man of good reputation. A man of good reputation is a man that's been tested. You see what it says? Choose from among you. They knew who to choose. Why? Because they seen the evidence of their lives represented in the body that showed that they were what they said they were. They seen it. It was an internal recognition and an external recognition that those that were called had the reputation of being those who served Christ continuously. Of good reputation. I've used this example before, but let me ask you again. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, man, I've been watching you, and you're worried about what they may say? Oh, boy. Listen to me, folks. People watch every move we make. And I can promise you, when it comes to the office of deacon, people watch them clearlier, or more clearly, I'm sorry, clearlier, more clearly and more attentively because they claim, they claim to have a calling. Is that calling real? 
Because I want you to understand, just like pastors, you see these offices just like Christians. Let's just, let's just go ahead and clear it all out. Everybody is looking for a Christian to make a mistake. They love it when pastors fail. They love it when deacons fail. Why? I told you so. I told you so. I told you he wasn't what he was supposed to be. But we should never give them an excuse to talk. Let me tell you something. People are going to talk about you. Let's just get this over with. Look, if somebody will talk about other people to you, I can promise you they'll talk about you to other people. Ask me how I know that. Listen, that's going to be said. But your reputation, as long as you live in what God's called you to do, I promise you he'll handle the results. The good reputation is a representation of Christ, not what the world thinks. Do not give them an excuse. But a life that should reflect Jesus Christ. Full of spirit. Their life and their testimony indicates that Christ is alive in their life. And when Christ is alive in your life, what do you do? You proclaim His name. You share with others. People often ask me, Chad, what, what, what do you mean your life is full of spirit? Or what do you mean to have Christ in you? What does this mean? Let me tell you something. I call it a testimony. When Christ saves our soul, our want-tos change. Because I wanted to serve the world before Christ, now I want to serve Christ and not the world. Your want-tos change. This is what I was. This is the day I believed and placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And this is where I am. Because not by anything that I've done, but by everything that Christ has done in me. And He who changed my life is sustaining my life. And there will be evidence of that sustenance in my life. Amen? You see, here's the deal. You've heard me say this a thousand times. Flying an airplane don't make you a pilot. People can say they love Christ, but does their life reflect Christ? And those who love Christ will want to share Christ with others. Because if you will look at the next word that he says, look, not only is Christ alive in their lives, but they have wisdom. I praise God for wise men. These are men who not only have been changed, who have a good report, but love godly wisdom and love sharing that godly wisdom with others. Which means this, they are in the Word of God. I can tell you there's been many men in my life that have made an influence on me. I never will forget. Back before, back before I had cancer, I had a heart issue. Okay? And they had thought I had blockages in my heart. They left me in the hospital for three days. And right in the height of COVID, I'm going crazy. Nobody can see me. And I'm a talker. Y'all know that. But nobody can come see me. Nobody can sit with me. Nobody can spend the night with me. Nobody can come around me. And I'm still, I cannot believe how he did it, but I had this gentleman who was a deacon come and visit me. This is before we had deacons here. He come, I mean, not before we had deacons. 
was before he, we could, let me just put it to you this way. I'm trying to be correct. I don't know how he got in. Okay. And he came in and he sat with me. And I said, look. I've never been put in a position like this before. And I began to talk with him. And I said, you know, it's kind of interesting. I said, now that I'm in here, I've had time to think about a lot. And when, a, when you get a man alone for a long period of time, there's a lot goes through that mind. Would you agree? And Satan begins to attack, too. You know, because if y'all remember, I have my episode here. Okay. Where's my grandma? used to say I had a spell. <laughs> and they took me to the hospital, okay. And here I am for four days. And I'm not going to lie to you, I struggle a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong, every one of you, most of you, I mean, I was getting texts, calls, prayer, we're praying for you. Praise God. And I thank you for that, and I'll never forget it. But how this man illegally got in, <laughs> as I was sharing with him, he was intent looking me in the eyes. Listen to everything I had to say. And he said, Chad, the first thing I think we need to do is pray about this. And he grabbed me and we dropped our knees in that hospital room. And he prayed for me. I've never forgotten that. Because here is a person that not only was sharing the good news with me and encouraging me, he knew his priority was prayer. And he knew I was struggling. And in times of struggling, a lot of times we don't feel like praying. That's the time when you need to be encouraged to pray, my brothers and sisters. And in that contaminated hospital floor, we prayed. But I'll tell you this. Praise God for that ministry. Because I've never forgotten it. Men of wisdom. Mike, as you'll be ordained today, there's nobody calling you perfect, my brother. But your reputation, your wisdom, and your love of Jesus Christ will go far, my friend. Just like these other deacons that are going to lay hands on you and pray. They're none of us perfect. There's nobody above anybody. But each of us, including me and the rest of the congregation here, have been called by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift one another up. And here's the deal, family. According to the book of Acts, they chose these men to put in charge of this task. Where he said, but we will devote our times to prayer and ministry of the word. In the announcement with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And they brought these men together. And they laid hands on them. I want to share with you this morning that we believe in at Living Way Community Church that the deacons, along with the pastor, serve the people.
We serve Christ and we serve to the ministry of the people. You see, it's not a position where we look to make sure that everybody gives all their finances and everybody's lorded over. It's not a position where we're going to run everybody off because so-and-so said something. And too many times the role has been twisted into a ministry of service into a ministry of disciplinarian and unrealistic goals that are not biblical. And that's a hill that I'll die on. But a ministry that serves Jesus Christ and serves the ministry of the people. Now I want you to understand, so Chad, it don't say deacon in the book of Acts. So how do you get this? Well, you see, it is mentioned in 1 Timothy 3, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me there just for a few moments. First Timothy 3, we're going to begin in verse 8. First Timothy 3, we're going to begin in verse 8. Was well, he lays out the qualification for bishops and deacons? Both are biblical roles. It says this, verse 8, Deacons likewise must be men of dignity. Dignity. Not insincere. Let's stop about that for a moment. Men who mean what they say and they say what they mean. That when men tell you they have a desire to see you Grow in Jesus Christ. They mean it. Men who say, when I'm going to pray for you, they mean it. Their dignity, their lives represent what they are. Not because of anything they've done, but that everything that Christ has done in them. Amen? Not insincere. Not prone to drink much wine. They're not drunks. Not greedy for money. Do you hear that? Their job is not to have the greed to have all the materialism they can possibly have because they do not love the world. They love Jesus Christ. But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience that they believe who God is who He says He is. And they believe that His Son Jesus Christ became the sacrificial lamb to pay the price that He didn't know because the world owed a price it couldn't pay. And they believe it. And their lives clearly reflected. These men must also first be tested to have a good reputation. That means people have been watching you. And has your life been tested among other people? How do you react when things do not go your way? How do you react when things do? Does your life reflect Jesus Christ? Have you been tested in the fire? You see, I often think about this. A lot of people used to tell me when we couldn't get help at work, well, so-and-so didn't test well. Let me assure you, brothers and sisters, that if you are born again, believer in Jesus Christ, to serve Him fully, you must test well. Do you really believe who He says He is? Then they have, then have them serve as deacons. They are beyond reproach. I want to look at the similarities of the verses, but also if you back up, you will see the qualifications for deacons 
or for overseers. Overseers as as the word teach. Okay? Here's the thing. The Bible says that these men are to be men full of wisdom. Doesn't mean they're the greatest orators that ever stepped on the face of the earth. It don't mean that they necessarily have the ability to teach like you think they should teach. But men who have been called by God to serve because they have learned the Word of God and it reflects in their life. This morning, as we will be ordaining Mike, we want everybody to understand this. And I, I just I want everybody to understand clear. That here at Living Way Community Church, we care about you. We care about your soul. We care about your family. We care about your marriage. We care about your children. We care about your lives. But no one person can do it all. You see, I'm going to start being in the office now. Praise God. But I still can't minister to everybody. But I tell you this. We believe in lifting up from among us those that can come together to help us minister to this congregation. And we don't want anybody left behind, pardon the cliche. And see, what we believe is every single person in this group matters. There are a lot of people that watch us online. There are a lot of people missing today. But I think the overarching theme that everybody knows is we care. Not only do we care about your physical growth, and your physical nourishment, first and foremost, we care about your spiritual growth and nourishment. And I have confidence in these men. You see, I want you to also understand that none of us are perfect. I promise you, if you put your dependence on me or any of these men, we will let you down. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who will never let you down and you help us grow amongst one another. That we minister to the spiritual and physical needs. Deacons aren't church disciplinarians and business administrators. They are men called by God to serve the people of God to the glory of God. Amen? Period. Non-negotiable. And I am honored, honored to be surrounded by people who love Jesus Christ and want to see Him glorified and we want to see this church grow. Not necessarily, listen to me, numerically. You hear me? I can take the most horrendous people you know and sit them and fill them upon every seat and they'll still go to hell without Christ. But that we fill the pews with people who are growing in Christ. If God increases our numbers, praise God. But if only one person here came to a relationship with Jesus Christ and grew to the glory of God, it's worth it! It's worth it.
And we pray that people grow in Christ. Mike, if you could come forward, you and Shirley would come down front here for a few moments. I asked the deacons of the church to come sit beside them and lay hands on them. If you're ordained deacon and visiting here, you're welcome to come down as well. Uh, then any ordained pastor can come down as well. And, and, and Mike, if you and Shirley would sit there and kneel toward the front of the seats, we want to lay hands on you and pray. What I would like to do is we lay hands on Mike and, and Shirley and pray. Then I'm going to ask if there's anybody in the congregation that would like to come and lay hands and pray. We just want to see Christ glorified. And we have seen such growth and such wisdom in Mike, his love for the people, but first and foremost, his love for the Lord. And let us continue to encourage this family, he and Shirley, that they grow closer to Jesus Christ. And as we as a church and a body of these men that are around will continue to grow close to Christ and continue that our whole aspect of our being would reflect him in all we do. And when we go out those doors, not only do we minister to the people, but we proclaim to the lost world that there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Lord, we thank you so much for the office of deacon. We pray that, Lord, each one of us grow continually closer to Jesus Christ, that we are saturated continuously with your word, that we are not just Bible-based, but Bible-saturated. That, Lord, we see the desire of our hearts are for people to have a saving relationship with you through your son Jesus Christ not of our works lest any of us should boast but by faith alone in Christ alone and Lord as discipling grows as the needs grow that Lord we would come together and not only as Mike and these other men have stepped into the role that they have been called to do to share the ministry with the people of Living Way Community Church, but that God others would come behind them. And that, Lord, we would add, because we want people to see that at Living Way Community Church, our first and foremost desire is for you, O oh Lord, to be glorified. And that, God, we would be evangelistic, we would be disciples, and we would lead by example. God, I pray for Mike and, uh, and I pray for Mike and Shirley as they are here this morning, Lord, that Lord, as they minister and, and, and as she is with Mike, they, they, they will see good things and bad things. That one thing that when you're saturated into the ministry, you see it all. But God, I thank you for Shirley being an inspiration to Mike. I thank you for this blessed union of marriage, and I pray that they grow and comfort one another with your word and your love. God, equip him. Equip them as they minister to others. God, we pray that, Lord, you would just use them continually for your glory. That, God, every one of our mentalities is to see others saved and others grow 
that, Lord, as disciples, we reproduce sheep. And God will give you the praise and glory for it. Amen. If anybody in the congregation would like to come up and pray with them, you can come up and pray with them now. Anybody want to come pray? There's others coming that want to pray over them. Y'all just want to sit down. I know it's hard to kneel. Well, I can surely, if you'd come stand with me, if you don't mind. I want to give you this certificate of ordination, brother, and I know it's a piece of paper. It's about what's here. But I want to thank you for your heart. I want to thank you for the inspiration you've meant to me as well as other people. I thank y'all for what God's doing in your life. And I pray that the Lamb that was slain will receive the reward of his suffering. I believe that with all my heart. If you're going to pray for Mike and Shirley, will you say amen? amen. Guys, I love you. And, and I thank you for this opportunity to stand before you. We're a family. But most importantly, we're a family of Christ. As we have been studying in the book of Hebrews, because of the blood shed on Calvary, we're now members of a family. And not only are we a member, members of the church worldwide, the ecclesia, every tongue, tribe, and nation, but we're also a church that is a local body that comes together to meet, to pray, to worship, and evangelize. We are family. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you continue to do. And Lord, as the praise band is coming forward, as we sing and we worship you, Lord, I pray that again you continually use Mike and Shirley for your glory. That God, that our church grows spiritually. We let the numbers fall where they may. But Lord, that we worship you in spirit and truth continually with a desire to see others come to a saving relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. We love you and praise your name. And all God's people said, Amen. stand.